0: Sensor Global saves lives with automatic compliance and manages smoke alarms, gas and water leak detection with 24-7 remote management. It provides complete control, reduced risks and improved compliance for property managers. To find out more, speak to Anthony Booth or head over to sensorglobal.com. The PM Collective is a leading platform supporting collaboration, not competition, through an online community and events throughout the year with one purpose, to create happier property managers. The PM Collective creates connections for property managers looking to create momentum within their careers and personal life. Join me and my guests as we discuss challenges, struggles, mental health, mindset, and give advice to property managers and anyone in the industry. To find out more about our memberships, visit pmcollective.com.au. Today, we are joined by Joanne Oliveri from a revolution. A revolution? A revolution, correct. <laughs> I know that you just told me how to say it, but it was, um, it was, I was getting distracted because you told me a really awesome reason why you picked that name. And I'm just looking at it now. So tell me the reason behind the name or how you came about it.
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, my business name is actually my surname backwards, Oliveri backwards. And, uh, I always said I'd create a a positive revolution in the industry. And my son came to me one day and he said, Mum, I know what your business name's going to be. And he said, A revolution. And it's Oliveri spelled backwards. It's like, well, that's perfect. So it stuck. (laughs)
0: That is is so cool. Quite often, we don't talk about the names and where they've come from. And I now can't unsee that now that I'm actually looking at the name. I didn't even think of that. So your Facebook describes you, Abel says, I am on a global crusade to inspire and empower positive change in the property management industry. Um, So that's very exciting to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful. So today's chat was going to be around what is going to be around careers after property management, but we also want to touch on the um good days and the bad days and handling them and I remember Jet, um, Xavier actually had once said to me that property management's like a sport and we just have to get better at playing the game. And that has always stuck with me because I think that it's um, very true that quite often we talk about, you know, I wish I didn't have a difficult owner. I wish this process was easy. And and we wish that we had um, people that didn't call us after hours. But ultimately, we can't actually change, well, we can put boundaries in place, but we can't actually sort of um, control all of that. All we can do is learn how to better deal with the boundaries, etc. cetera. And that's how I deal with sort of bad days or how my team um, deals with bad days. So um, if we can sort of kick off with you just telling us a bit about yourself, what you do and your career and how you got to your position at the moment for the audience.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, Well, I started in the industry about 30 years ago, which I kind of like think, wow, you know, like where did those 30 years go? Um, But I started in the industry here in Perth uh, where we're actually doing this interview today, and uh, I came in from a business background. So my husband and I had owned uh, grocery stores and delicatessens together. So I had a little bit of a, a, a business mindset and I started with an awesome company here in WA called Leasing Elite. And I thought, how lucky am I to be working with a property management only company and such wonderful business owners? You know, the leaders—we're we're just lovely people. Too Hold
0: it, nice. Joe! I have to stop you right now. I what used to it? work at Leasing Elite.
1: You're joking? No! Oh, wow, gosh. Well, that's where yeah. I started.
0: So, okay, I, oh, I mean ch- keep a change of subject just real quickly because this is interesting. So I was at leasing a late when um when the obviously the two female owners um had it, I can't remember their names. Um, so and and yes, and then um they went down and had prestige properties down south, I think it was yes. called. and yes. Annette had bought the business.
1: Okay, she was the accountant. So, yeah. okay. Yeah, so it was Rose and Felicity. Yes. Yes.
0: So so I was probably there in maybe, I started in real estate 1998, and I think that I would have been there probably even, oh, gosh, 1999 to early 2000s. I wonder whether, whether I had come just after you, because what
1: year did you leave there? So I lived there in 1995. Okay we moved to Papua New Guinea at that stage. So it was like it was a terrible move from a a great job I had. But, yeah, Rose and Felicity were just wonderful business leaders and it was a beautiful business. Um, but what I discovered within my first few days of property management is uh, I, I kind of like I got in there and I was told well here's your computer Joe here's your list of of clients and properties and we were using a program back then called Finale I don't know if they still had it when you went there no um, but it was limitless <laughs> so it was like limitless in the in the fact that it there was like limiting information so uh, yes, so uh, I just thought I've just finished my courses, which was all theory. And here I am now working for this wonderful company, and I've got no idea how to do what I'm supposed to be doing. And it was, you know, kind of like just get in there and do it, Joe. And I thought, how do you do that when I haven't learned the practical side of property management? And it was pretty much within those first few days of working in property management and feeling so inspired by Rose and Felicity that I set myself on this pathway of learning with the ultimate goal all those years ago almost 30 years ago of this is what I want to be doing in the future and I'm doing exactly that now. I feel like I kind of like stepped into my own drawings and I'm I'm living the you know the drawings that I did all those years ago. So um, yeah it was just a wonderful start but it was also too very daunting when I came in with the you know like just here's your list go for it so um, yeah I thought there, there's got to be better ways to help people who've come into this wonderful industry um, and you know it's the learning the teaching the guiding side of it and that's what we do now pretty much so yeah
0: Wonderful. And do you still see that happening a bit where people start a job and get thrown into the deep end, or is that softening off a little?
1: no, it really disappoints me that it is happening even more so today, I would say, because we're still doing a lot of that you know theory, the required training, but there is not the online or the you know the kind of the practical side um of learning and and you know that's why almost 12 years ago we launched the online academy that teaches the how and why of property management and the expected objectives and outcomes for every task and there's just so many tasks that we have to do um, so it's understanding you know like when we're given a task to do in property management how do we actually do it but then what is the objective of doing this task and um and and what what is the expected outcome? Because we didn't even know that when we, you know, graduated with all of our requirements. Like, why am I doing this? So if you don't know your why, then you'll never have your how um, in order to do it. So, you know, with every why becomes how. So, yeah, it's, it's really important. And, no, we're not doing it correctly today. We just want to get people in. and And I think there's a fear of if I invest in training, what happens if I lose that person and and I love what Henry Ford said all those years ago it's like well what happens if you don't train them and they stay so you know so true. yeah it is so I think we're still missing that side of property management and um, you know we, we look to the medical industry where doctors will do seven to ten years of, of tertiary education And even after that, they can't go and, and practice being a doctor. They've got to go through all the practical training, even after all that learning. So, you know, I think it's the same in property management. And if we get the education side of things right, then people will have much more enjoyable careers as a result.
0: Yeah. And I think there's just so many factors of why that doesn't happen at the moment and, One of the reasons I think is sometimes when we've got sales led directors who just have a lack of understanding or really rely on the property management team just to sort it out because they're paying a property manager or a head of department and that's their job. So I find I have seen sometimes that that can be a factor. Um, But I also am trying, like myself personally, I've got a trainee and I always try to be six months ahead. So I Personally, didn't need to have a trainee um, because we didn't um, we didn't need any new staff. But I know that I am going to need someone in the next six or twelve months, so I have started prepping now. And that's probably one of my biggest tips for business owners: is don't wait till you actually need somebody; start prepping that prior. But I remember speaking to someone about trainees before and a rookie, sort of new in the industry, and. It's, it is very hard or it's very easy to get to throw them in the deep end and I have been very conscious of not doing that. And so my girl's been with me for about three months now and I've made sure that she has dedicated time during her work week, um, her work hours to work on her course and her assignments and then making sure she touches base on, um, you know, whether it's inspections or leasing as well to get that experience but this week I've actually been so short of staff when it comes to um COVID and people sick and school holidays that I have had to get her to jump into a few things this week that I maybe wouldn't normally. And I could, I can feel it in myself how easy it would be for someone to do that and I'm um, very conscious that it's this week and then next week will be back to normal. But yeah. I see that happening all the time because they get like a rookie or a junior in um, to and, and literally just thrown in the deep end like many people.
1: Yes, exactly. And and it is tempting when things need to be done. But when you've got a really well-oiled machine, then you know where to put focus where focus is necessary. And um, and so then you're able to, um, you know, like adjust the tasking so that you can get the things done that need to be done and know that the other things are there. And and when you have the time to focus on those tasks, then you can complete them. And even if that means there is a slight delay, I mean, people these days know that every business, every industry is struggling because of, you know, the challenges of COVID. And we only need to look at the airline industries at the moment and what's going on, especially here in Perth. So, um, you know, it, it's just a reality of where we are at the moment. And I think, you know, honesty with clients and not trying to be something that you can't be, they will appreciate the fact that you're being honest. So um, we had a similar thing here with a company that I'm consulting for uh, in Perth at the moment where a few months ago everyone was sick. Uh, we had a new team coming in. There was all sorts of things going on. And we just sent out a general message to all of the clients saying, you know, we know that these things need to be done. Um, we are triaging everything that needs to be done at the moment. Um, rest assured, it will get done, but maybe not in the time frame that we've always promised. But we've got new team that we're looking for and we've got the rest of the team sick. And the clients understood. They worked with us uh and you know i think that's the important thing is don't panic as soon as you panic you start being reactive to what's going on instead of responsive and that's when we all have you know the racing heart and the like i can't do this you know like i don't want to come back anymore you know they're not paying me enough to do this and all those negative thoughts hit our minds and and you know we then struggle so um yeah it's it's the way we do the do that's going to make the difference
0: yeah and and I think that's really a, a great reminder for us all to make sure we communicate to our clients. Because I know that for me, I actually really struggle with with telling them because I'm I sort of feel like, and I'm sure others feel the same. And that's only the only reason why I'm sort of saying it out loud. That I feel like if I can control it, you know, they won't even notice that I'm short of staff, and I will. You know, do my best. But then what happens is you generally can't keep up with it and you do fall back. And it's all because I was just trying to, you know, not for no one to notice, like a duck with their little legs underneath paddling. But you're right. If you're just honest with them and tell them as it is, and you are then starting to change those expectations of clients, which is, I think, one of the um, biggest things that probably we're struggling and people are struggling with at the moment in property management teams. With boundaries and yes. expectations, and also um, getting burnout because and the stress because of that. And one of my theories—I'd love to hear your thoughts on this—is that from a BDM point of view, where that's the first time a client's coming to us, and we're so you know we're quick on the phone, we give them so much attention at the very start, and then. You get the management, and it's like, great. And then you pass them on to a property manager who might take longer. They're not going to necessarily get back to them within two hours um, because it's a different, complete, different role. And the expectations that that BDM has set with that two hour turnaround has now been a little bit deflated. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, but that's sort of my theory of where it starts from. Wow.
1: Yes, absolutely. You're 100% correct there. And I think, you know, um, one of the the biggest mistakes we make in property management is having someone who's doing the growth and they don't share the expectations of what happens down the track. Um, and this is a whole new conversation, Ashley, in um, going there. I'd love to kind of like share some strategies there later on. But, you know, you start with the end in mind and you set the client's expectations at that time so that they know it goes from you to another person, what to expect there and, you know, what to expect with every task that we do. So their expectations of us and hours of them as well. And this is where we find, you know, a lot of property managers unnecessarily burning out and stressed because the, I call them the growth manager, not a BDM, but the growth manager is actually not kind of like sharing expectations of each other. So, you know, the clients get frustrated. So, our eagerness to bring in new business um, can normally result in loss out the other side. So, Um, Yeah, that is a whole new conversation that I'd love to get into, but it actually, you know, it takes you down that pathway of what causes burnout and and that's a big cause of it. Um, So, you know, like think of the nurses and the doctors at the moment with, uh, you know, these constant waves of COVID and, you know, people expecting that, Hey, you guys have been through this before. We should be able to come into this hospital and be seen to immediately. But the doctors and nurses have a system of triage, don't they? So they can look at what do we need to focus on, who do we need to, you know, kind of like put our focus on now, and is it an emergency? And and you know that's what we need to do in property management too. Um, we need to triage our clients, and we. We need to learn how to do that and be confident with it. And the other thing we need to always let our clients know is, hey, we are human. And so being human means we're liable to make mistakes. And if we do make mistakes, we will let you know what the mistake is that we made. We will never cover up because we will make mistakes. And I think that's where a lot of us in the industry go wrong is that, you know, we don't like to admit to those mistakes. And one of the best lessons I ever had with one of my um, leaders when I started working in Brisbane, Patrick Dixon, he'd always say to me, Joe, eat humble pie. And I'd be like, well, but, you know, like I, I, and he's like, Joe, somewhere in that process things broke down. And I learned, you know, to eat humble pie regardless of the situation and reflect on that to find out where could I improve in that process? Um, Is it communication? Is it something we do here? And it just took us on this pathway of constant improvements. So yeah, I challenge everyone, when things happen, eat humble pie. It it tastes good. (laughs) And no calories. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Well, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to change the direction of this podcast. We're going to keep on going with this because I think this is um, a really good topic. And, and you actually said before we even started, there's so many conversations that yes. we could have. So let's put to the back burner for another day. Um, we'll talk sort of about career paths after property management, all of that. And let's just stay on the track of um, of expectations and that sort of... Um, uh, That sort of conversation, because I think that that's quite relevant for today as well. Um, And in the industry with, and I totally agree with um, what you were saying about if the conflict comes up and I would, I'm the person that naturally reflects on what I could have done better. So maybe I haven't set those expectations. Maybe I haven't educated, um, but I, I actually take a lot of responsibility and I And I think sometimes it's just something that naturally people have. Can it be taught? Like, do you think people can learn to, to manage conflict or is it just something you've either got or you don't have?
1: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Many real estate agents across Australia confidently refer Property Insurance Plus to their clients as they recognise the price and benefit value of their policy combined with the client-focused service they deliver. They offer a comprehensive building and landlord insurance facility and have formed a powerhouse to present the very best in investment property insurance. Contact PIP today to find out more.
1: Oh, um, I definitely think people can be taught. However, some people are better at um, managing anxiety when things come up um, because, you know, we always want to please people and, and, you know, especially when we make a promise to do something and if we feel that we've let someone down, then someone can take that personally and they struggle with not taking it personally. So when you kind of like take the you know me out of it and look at the whole situation um then yeah you know anyone can do it but that's just training that's training people on how to deal with conflict and conflict will come up regardless of what you do I mean we learn it as parents we learn it you know even when we're at school conflict comes up in the playground in the classroom so we're learning conflict all of our lives but when it comes to property management one of the things that you know I've, I've learned and this is just through observing myself um, and I kind of uh, I realized a long time ago that where there's no passion there is no compassion and you know in property management we struggle with what's the difference between empathy and sympathy So, you know, we think if we don't have compassion, then we're not sympathetic to what's going on. But when we have that compassion, we actually have enormous empathy to what's going on. And having enormous empathy rather than sympathy then helps us to look at whatever the situation is, whatever the stress level is for our client and find a solution. And I think a really good kind of like example of this is Think about it when you go to your doctor, and and you might have known your doctor for many, many years, and you go there with symptoms, and um, those symptoms are something that the doctor doesn't want to discuss with you, like they're very serious symptoms. That doctor will sit there and discuss what these symptoms mean, Um, you know, regardless of what the diagnosis is, he won't shy or she won't shy away from it and they'll sometimes give you one option that you can do or several options, but they won't sit there saying, I want you to go somewhere else, um, you know, because I've known you all your life, and they will address what the situation is, never, ever shy away from it. Whereas in property management, sometimes we haven't learned that ability to address what the situation is and find the solution. Now, there is a solution and resolution to anything that comes up in property management. And I always used to say to my team, you are the solutions warriors because if there wasn't any problems, we wouldn't have a job. It's as simple as that. They've employed us to resolve these problems that come up. But if we shy away from it, we're not doing our job. So they're not actually problems, are they? They're things that happen every day in property management. And the sooner we get onto it, the better. Now, my example back to the doctor, the doctor can't always fix us, but he gives us some solutions or resolution as to what we can do to treat what's going on um, or give us a little bit more kind of like peace through whatever's going on. And you know what I mean? So, you know, with property management, we have to be brave enough, courageous enough to say, here's a situation here's the possible solutions if there is, you know, choices. um, It may not be the outcome that you want, but this is the best resolution that we can hope to achieve. And just take it on board.
0: That's such a great analogy. And I have a client who has always focused on um, this way of dealing with emails to him. I remember a long, years and years and years ago, he had a conversation with me about one of my staff and the way the email was coming across. And I think property, a lot of property managers do this where they get a problem from a tenant and they just forward it and please, like I can't stand it now, but they forward the email onto the owner and just to say, see below, and um, what do you want me to do? And it is a big no, no. And one of the big reasons why owners get quite upset. And um, the one thing that I've, and I think I deal with conflict quite good is because I do say this is the problem. And I do always give people two options, exactly what you're saying with your analogy. Um, You know, you've you've got your symptom, here are two options, which one would you like to go go with? And I feel like, that number one, we underestimate as property managers the value of our professional and personal opinion, and we should provide that a lot more. Um, but giving two options, whether it's a lease renewal and negotiating lease renewal, whether it's um, a big maintenance issue, I think psychologically there's something that um, helps people decide because they you're controlling the situation, you're giving yeah. them the two two ways you want to resolve it. You just pick which one. So you still feel like you're in control, but I've actually given you those two. And it makes sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. You give them choices and, and you know, the reasons for those options, they will work with it. And they'll quite often say to you too, well, what's your recommendation? What would you do? And say, well, based on this information, this would be our recommendation, but it's entirely up to you. What would you like us to do? So they feel like they've got a certain amount of control um, in the situation. You're giving them those options. If there is options, sometimes, you know, there is no option. It's like, let's just get this to court um, and let the referee resolve it. Uh, So, you know, it's it's about dealing with it, Ashley. It's, you know, don't kind of kick it under the mat and think, oh, it'll go away. It won't so yeah but, but, but going to court is an option in itself as well
0: so we can either right. do do option a or we can do option b which is let the magistrate decide yes exactly. and and I think as well like just taking the emotion out of it it's a it's everything's for me I always say everything's outable, which I don't think that's a word but oh, I use it. Yeah. <laughs> if everything is figureoutable um and it everything's just a process and exactly. take the emotion out it's just a process I've just got to do it for the paperwork trail you know there's no no emotion attached to it as such but you're not being mean either yeah. um, and I think if we can the quicker we can realize that and how to play the game because my mum used to always teach me to play the game but not in a malicious way but in a yeah. smart smart way um, whether it's relationships or um you know dealing with your brother or sister, uh, it's that's what I've already always adopted. And as soon as you can do that, it you don't take that burden home.
1: And oh, exactly.
0: You know, yeah. mentally it's not draining because it's that's just my job. This is what I do.
1: That's right. It's your job. And, you know, like be the captain, be the one who's, you know, courageous enough to be the last man standing on that ship so that we can get that ship out of, you know, whatever spot of bother it's in. But, you know, don't back away from it. Actually confront it and, you know, look at everything, you know, analyse, investigate what's going on and the clients will appreciate that. And and one of the things I learned when I was um, working with a, a big corporate group in in Australia, we're at their uh, international office over in Queensland and a lot of franchises. If there was something going on at franchise level that uh, the client felt that the property manager, you know, just was kind of like kicking them to the side and not listening, they would call me. And the first thing I would say is I'm really sorry to hear that you're experiencing this. So I never said, you know, like I'm sorry that we did that I said, I'm sorry to hear you're experiencing this. Here's what we can do to resolve this. And they would every time say to me, you are the first person who said you're sorry. Now, I I didn't take blame, but it's really not nice that someone has experienced something like that, whether it's their fault, our fault, a miscommunication, whatever it is. But, you know, be compassionate enough to... Just say, oh, we're really sorry you're experiencing that. And they will start to work with you. So, um, yeah, it's the way that we deal with it initially too. Um, and, you know, that's why I say to my team, you're the solutions warriors. Put on your warrior suit every morning and just stand up to it. It's like deal with it. And it, and it, you'll feel good. The clients will thank you, and, and you'll feel good. And of course, there's always clients that are difficult to resolve. We see that everywhere in every industry, but we still resolve that to the best possible solution that we can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I um I think it's important to let people speak, and as long as you feel like they've been heard, um they generally are pretty, pretty good. And I think that I don't get a lot of complaints about with my team, but if I have, it's generally I've been able just to listen to them say, you know, I understand, you know, that you're feeling frustrated with this and would you feel better if I um, put you with another property manager um, that you might sort of click with? And I'm very honest with people as well to say, listen, sometimes some people just don't click and that's okay That's true. Let me me put you with someone else. And I've been always able to resolve situations and it's just really they just want to be heard and make sure um, the expectations are aligned. And I do take um, responsibility as well if I feel like that I haven't been clear with the expectations. Yeah, Um, I did have actually there was one client that I lost um, about three months ago and I didn't call him back or respond to his email, I think it was, for might have been 48 hours and he was not happy with that and um, I chatted to him and I said listen I do try to get back to everyone within 24 hours this time I didn't and I'm sorry and he explained to me why it's important because he was a doctor and he has um, a very tight time constraint so that is very important to him and I I could understand where he was coming from and that management moved on but I was honest with him I said I can't promise you that I'm going to be able to get back to you within 24 hours every single time Like I can't promise that to you and that was still amicable it was just making sure I didn't want him to come with me if he was going to put those demands and that pressure on me and there might be someone else that is happy to do that and That's all it's about, isn't it? Just those expectations.
1: It totally is. And and one of the things you'll learn at Disney, Ashley, is uh, one of the sayings I have is let the client be wrong with respect. So, you know, we, we we want to stand up there and say, no, we're right, we're right. And, um, you know, the client isn't always right. Um, and I remember when I started working as a Coles checkout chick years ago, um, they'd say the client is always right. But I loved what Disney taught us and they said let the client be wrong with respect. So we say, you know, like that is wrong but, you know, we didn't articulate what the policy was clearly Um, so we've learned from it and the important thing is to always reflect and and you know this is what I always did with myself the way I could resolve and of course I've lost clients along the way and you know no one is perfect but reflect back on it how did that happen you know like what did I do what could I have done better and it just makes you better and better and better and you know if you let the clients be wrong with respect you leave the door open for them to come back. You haven't, you know, like, get out of here and, you know, like we don't want to do business with you anyhow and, you know, um, you you kind of like just let them go gently and, and, you know, one day they might come back or if they don't come back, they might actually refer other people. So you just never know. So uh, I'm really excited, Ashley, because, you know, you're coming to Disney with us and so much of what we're chatting about today, you're going to see... Um, you know, in in actual kind of like working in Disney, and uh, and you know what I learned from my Disney training is incredible. What I brought back from you know to property management, so you know. Setting expectations and all that—you've got to see it all in in motion and and in action in Disney. Oh, I'm so excited! And I, I to the point,
0: where making sure my kids haven't come in the room. I um I haven't told. Well, I've I bluffed over what I'm doing with the kids, but I feel a little bit guilty because I had booked us to go to Disneyland before COVID, bought our tickets, and then COVID happened, and I just ended up getting a refund because I didn't know when it was going to happen again. So the thought that I'm going over now. With Without them, kills me. But I'm taking it very much as it's a professional work trip, which it is for sure. But I and I, you know, I'll take them back um, another time. But I'm just bluffing over to say I'm going on a going to a prop tech conference and some leadership training. And which you are, which I am. True, yes. <laughs> so tell me a little yes. bit about um about the the leadership training that you've done there. Like, did you work
1: there for some time or uh, no, so I did right. my first Disney training uh, in two thousand and seven. It was my son that actually worked for Disney World. Oh he was wow! Guard at Disney um, after I did my initial training, and he just saw the magic in me and and my different way of thinking and and everything. And he was actually with me once at Disney, and he was just like he was hit by the magic as well. But yeah, that two thousand and seven, it just changed the way I saw and did everything and and Disney has a a way of saying you no, know, like we imagine things. So we imagine something and then we create it into existence. Um and I actually I thinkcubate. So I have thoughts and I incubate my thoughts into reality. So I thinkcubate those thoughts, you know, until it's like, oh I know, you know, what we can do differently here or or what we can create or you know whatever it is. But Disney um It it, it truly is a magical place. So I did my initial training and and then I've been back several times. And then, of course, before COVID hit, I was living in California and uh, I was an annual pass holder and I was at the Disney parks every three weeks. And I was always there observing, having fun, of course, you know, those rides, uh, you can't resist them. But I was always observing and, you know, observing the people in the park and, and watching how Disney sets expectations and and how people respond to those expectations. So an example is queuing up for a ride and you could be queued up for three hours and then you finally get it to the end of the, the, the line and you think, oh, I'm about to get on this exciting ride and the ride breaks down. And, you know, people spend a lot of money to go to Disney and spending three hours in a line is a lot of time out of the day. And I watched and observed every time and they would just respond to whatever the, the cast, who were the, the um, rider crew, would say. It's like, I'm sorry, it's safety first at Disney. The ride has broken down. So please have a look at, you know, the ride boards to see the wait times for ride. Or have a look at your app and keep an eye on when this ride will be open again. And everyone would just walk off, you know, like whistling and singing. And I would think, wow, you know, like we don't answer the phone initially, like as soon as they call in property management and they're angry. So expectations is key to what we do in property management.
0: So amazing. I'm, I could, I... I know my brain is just going to go into overload um, going there. And I think that I'm really hoping for me that the trip, I love customer service and the psychology behind it. And I feel like that's a lot of what goes on at Disneyland. But I also love um, stepping outside the square. Like I think in property management, a lot of things we do because that's what everyone does and we fall into that that trap. So it could be our fees. Why do we charge our fees? We charge them because that's what everyone charges. Have we we actually gone and looked, you know, at what each thing's costing us on an hourly rate and uh, why are we not charging for our hourly rate? Why are we just charging because everyone says you should be charging 8.5% plus GST or whatever it is? Um, And the same thing goes just with um, customer service and the way that our offices run why do we why do we run it the way we do because we think that that's normal but how about we just do something completely different I
1: that's why I have my whole goal is to you know um, create positive change in the industry because I think we're the only industry in the world where our fees have gone backwards and Mm. um, expectations have increased because we've increased them actually Um, just in this desperation to get management, But that's not what it's all about. So we created the problem we have at the moment in our industry and we should be charging for so many more things. But we're scared to charge it because we don't believe in ourselves. So we've got to change some things. When you believe in yourself, then you can share your value to the clients. And when you see your value, they will see your value too. But... We're not sharing that properly at the moment. So it's no. that, a whole
0: other thing to chat about, Ashley. Oh, I'm going to have to write down like a list of topics and <laughs> um, and, and book you in again. I um, One thing that I'm I'm quite proud of doing, and I will say that it, it took a lot of balls for me to do this last year, and I'm I'm actually talking about it at the conference or at a conference in October, was last year I was getting a lot of new management leads. And I actually had clients that said to me um, when I was speaking to them about what was happening in the preferential market, and they said to me, Ash, can I ask you why you haven't, why you don't charge for, for the information you've given me? And I said, oh, I'm happy to help. And, you know, that's not a thing that we charge for. And he turned around to me and he said, I have just saved myself $20,000 speaking to you because I would have paid a buyer's agent that much money to, to help me understand the Perth market and you've just done it for free. He said, I'm going to pass some clients on to you. He said, and I want you to I want you to charge them. He goes, because the, what you've given me is invaluable. And I made the decision at that time. I thought, you know what, I'll give it a little go. I booked in my Calendly and put a credit card payment on there and, called it an investor strategy session, which is talking about the Perth rental market and um, and, uh, where people are buying at the moment, what has a good reputation, what doesn't, just a few general things. And within two days, I started having people book in. So now in um, in Perth, investors, they pay to speak to me um, so they can book in an hour, chat to talk about the Perth rental market they pay me to do a pre-purchase inspection so if they want me to go look at the property um and that's something that as property managers we've always just done for free because we want the new business and we're happy to bend over backwards for that new business uh, but it got to a point where I I number one just didn't have the time to handle it and I wanted to I needed to slow it down a bit it was um Taking up too much family time on the weekends, and I thought, you know what, I'll just put a price on it. Um, to this day, I probably could put more on, and I what I think I'm doing wrong, and I I know that a lot of people would do this as well, is that we put an hourly rate, and an hourly rate is one way of working out where your price, you know, your pricing could be, um, but there's also the value. That you bring, which is we should be pricing on the value. And so, a coach had said to me, "Ash, you've got you've been in the industry for 22 years. You have spent over you know probably over fifty thousand dollars in courses and learning about the industry. You've spent countless hours and in investing your time. That that's worth something. That's the value. And your clients, they can pay hundred dollars to speak to you because." Yeah. They're paying you for that value Um, and I'm saving them a lot of money without having to maybe go to a buyer's agent or um, use a different person. So I have started doing that and I'm hoping that that is a positive thing for the industry where property managers and I I use every opportunity I can to tell property managers, I charge for this and people pay um, for that. You can too because the moment we can start doing that and normalising that that is, we're on that professional,
1: um, you know, That's tier. That's how one of our problems, and I don't like to use that word, but it is one of our problems because we aren't training property managers correctly. So to me, property managers have always been the stockbrokers of the real estate industry. We're not there to collect rent and, and process maintenance. That's part of what we do. But our objective is to make sure we maximise returns and optimise growth for the um, rental property owner and, and make sure that that property is market relevant and demographic appealing. Now, if we don't know how to do that, then we're not really property managers. So, you know, we've got to teach the industry to do that. And when you know your value, then you can share your value and they will know your value. So it's a bit like what I do, Ashley. It's, you know, I don't have, a, a, a you know, a, an amount per hour that I charge. It's the service I provide and I put a value on that service and, you know, what it's going to do for that company that I'm dealing with or that person if I'm, you know, mentoring them. So, Um, yeah, you know, I know my value, you know your value. And if we all know our value, then our industry as a result will rise up. People will respect what we do and we will remain relevant because we're in danger of becoming irrelevant at the moment because we're just not doing things, you know, as we should. But, again, that's a whole new kind of like podcast, isn't it? (laughs) I, I could quite easily go in these little, like I feel like I'm going in these
0: little weevils, you know, all the way around um, because there's just so many hot topics um, surrounding it. Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to hold you up too much longer because I could chat all day and I could keep on going all day. But um, if we can maybe just finish off with a... Um, and I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually even just thinking to myself, what, what little bit of topic, because we've touched on a few mini ones um, to finish off with, but... In talking about Disneyland and um, expectations and and boundaries and the conflict, what would be? Do you have it like a the best tip or the best book or podcast or something like that that you would maybe refer to a team that you you're coaching and looking after if they're finding that their team is struggling with just the expectations of clients and you can see that there's a team that have got some evident um, burnout happening and they're at risk of potentially losing them, what would be maybe a, a number one tip that you would suggest foremost in that situation for the team?
1: So, yeah, I think this is uh, really important. My one tip should be the one thing that we do because this is overwhelming when we talk about, you know, what to do when it comes to setting expectations. And 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 Gary Keller has a book that says The One Thing. Um, and Gary Keller is, of course, the founder of Keller Williams, which is a major brand, a real estate brand in the US. So always look to The One Thing. And I think, um, you know, when it comes to, uh, setting expectations. Look within. So have a look within your company and your team, and have a look at what is the one thing that is causing most of the upset and drama, and um, you know miscommunications, misunderstandings, issues, grievances, challenges, whatever it is. What is that? And then what do we have to do to resolve that? Because I guarantee it would be something about setting expectations and then the way that the expectations have been articulated or communicated to the clients and the team. So the team has to know what those expectations are just as much as the clients too. So, um, yeah, you know, the the one thing is look within the company Um, and when you start looking within, you start to then acknowledge What's going on and start to find those solutions within. So the sol- or the problems that come, you know from without the company where the comp- the clients uh, are distressed and things like that will stop. So yeah.
0: Look within. <laughs> and just like we um, talked about not shying away from being honest with customers and clients and um, being very transparent with them, I guess same goes with employers to employees, um, not hiding behind any problems that you've got, just hit them straight up and say, okay, this is what we're going to have to do together to resolve and
1: exactly. not exactly. shying behind.
0: So, to get hold of you, um, so tell me just a little bit about um, E-Revolution with, um, do you work directly with business owners or teams or how does how does your ideal client look?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. So, um, my ideal client is a, um, a real estate company with property management or a property management only company. But I like to empower the business owner so that they can then lead their team. And in doing that, we, we indirectly work with the teams and sometimes directly because we, we run workshops and helping them to understand, you know, like why we're going to implement or adjust uh, things within the business. Uh, you know, we do very, very deep dives doing um, what we call operational prognosis. So it's like an MRI on the business so that we can then fix things you know, very, very deeply and at a granular level rather than the surface of a business where, you know, we know if we change something here, it's going to impact something else along the line that will also need us to focus attention on that. So um, we know exactly the order of things when we have to make changes and adjustments. And, and of course, I do a lot of speaking at um, conferences and events, especially in the U.S. And uh, we've just launched a, a new workflow program created especially for property managers called Flusos. Um, so that's like your Trello or Monday or you know those sorts oh. of programs. But we've developed it in conjunction with some um, experts in the US and on a program that's based out of New Zealand. so it's it's very international. Um, but it's been specifically engineered for property management. So it's all our operational tasking and all of our, you know, HR management tasking as well. So, yeah.
0: Ah, I was wondering what that was. What does it um, mean? What's the meaning?
1: Yeah. Flusos yeah. is, is Italian for flow. So that's a nod to my Italian heritage. So, Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Well, there's been a lot of posting about um, systems and procedures and like, you know, the Monday or the Trello. um, And I haven't heard your one come up. So I think that's a great uh, product for people to go and do a bit of research on. And I'll go take a look at myself as well, because um, workflow is one of the other critical things is, and I think workflow and customer service and you're sorted.
1: Absolutely. And if you've got your workflow right, then your customer service is going to be right. And Ashley, you're going to learn exactly that At Disney. So, you know, the importance of workflow and who would have thought that Disney, you know, operates on workflow, you know, all the stuff that happens behind the scenes to make the magic happen um, when we're on stage. So, yeah, it's the same in property management.
0: Wonderful. Well, I'll be booking you in for another podcast and we'll probably do one after. Actually, I think Nina was saying um, that we should do one while we're overseas. So uh, it might be a good opportunity to do one together as well on things that we're learning and and a few of the insider tips as well. So we will chat again then. And I'm really looking forward to uh, meeting you in person and and going on that trip. So um, it's very exciting. So thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. I'm not sure what we're going to call this topic because it's a bit of everything, but I will find something. And um, if anyone wants to reach out to Joanne, go check out her website. Um, And what's the best way to um, get in touch with you?
1: Uh, Probably just my email. So um, it's joe, J-O, at irrevolution.com. you know, maybe we can put that spelling, that odd spelling um, on your podcast. So they know how to reach out to me, but I'm constantly overseas and everything. So I will respond to email. Yep. Just send odd times.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Joe. It was lovely All chatting. Right, thanks
1: for having me, Ashley. It's been a joy.
0: MCG Quantity Surveyors are a favourite for property managers around Australia to help their clients maximise their cash flow through tax depreciation. I love how they place a strong emphasis on industry-leading education and data releases that they share with our community and because they support the property industry so much, it is a no-brainer to use them for all your tax depreciation needs.